the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to The Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host, Ron Baker, and on today's show, Kabuki Theater. <laughs> so, Ron, today we're going to talk about Kabuki Theater and the the ins and outs and all of the nuances thereof. Um, actually, it's really just a modern American kabuki theater, otherwise known as the annual performance appraisal. And the official show title is Reappraising the Annual Performance Appraisal. And, Ron, I'm, I'm having second thoughts about this topic. You know why? Why is that? Because it's real easy. There is absolutely zero evidence that performance appraisals actually improve performance of anyone no you're dead right in fact the evidence just keeps piling up in the other direction and and that's one of the things i want to talk about today some of that new evidence since we last touched on this topic back in 2014 at our fifth show wow (laughs) wow So well, I, I and and we still hate it. <laughs> so it hasn't hasn't changed. And no, seriously, I, I'm not saying we're definitely going to be talking about this today. But but really, that all all need be said really is that it doesn't work. Yep. It's, there's no yep. evidence that it works, and uh, yet so many organizations still do this. And uh, what my real fear is in this run, and I hope that the people listening to this show, especially those in small and medium sized businesses, because I think that's, that's more of our audience that you will jettison these quicker and not wait for the rest of corporate America to get rid of them because it, it is happening. In fact, it's, it is happening even I think quickly for my tastes on the on the on the large company side and that's what you're talking about the evidence that it didn't work because it's it's large companies that are dumping this yeah it is and and uh also you're seeing some of the consulting firms mckinsey accenture uh weighing in on this topic i mean accenture got rid of theirs as of september 1st 19 uh, 2015 which was a huge move which is one of the things i want to talk about some of the things that they replaced it with but McKinsey has come out and written some articles, one of which we're going to discuss today, that really tore these things apart and says there's no evidence that they increase performance. In fact, there's evidence to, to suggest that they demotivate uh, <laughs> most of the people they touch. So I, I just like you said, the, the empirical evidence is overwhelming here, and yet 
They're so endemic. Um, it's not going to be the big companies to get rid of these first, although we are seeing movement in that direction. And I have a list of companies that have jettisoned these things since we last spoke about it. Um, but hopefully it's a small upstarts, the tech firms and the upstart firms that don't embrace it. And, and we're even seeing some bright lights there, too. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm I'm embarrassed to to say, and I guess it's good that I changed my mind, but I I can remember being very proud of putting in a performance appraisal system in a company that I that I was the part owner of, and I I, I was sort of the HR guy for this small company, and right. I worked really hard on on trying to trying to make this work and and be dedicated to it. But but it was it was not it, it it wasn't satisfying even then. I mean, I put it in place, and it was one of the biggest disappointments of my career because it just just fell flat. Um, and I don't think it was because I, I implemented it poorly. I think I did a good job. But there's as we've said previously on other shows about other topics, there's no good way to implement a bad idea. And and this is just a bad idea. It just doesn't it doesn't work. It's systemically flawed because its origins come from the, the psychology profession where they're looking for the presenting problem. You know, they're evaluating somebody. And if you go to a psychologist, obviously you've got a problem. And so the natural tendency of all of these systems is to, to identify and spot and articulate weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And yet, that doesn't improve performance. I mean, you you got to make your weaknesses irrelevant or play them down and play up to your strengths. And um, the other thing that's coming through at, on, on some of this, and I should just say right out of the gate, 6% of the Fortune 500 companies have trashed their rankings. That doesn't necessarily mm. mean that they trash annual performance appraisals, but you know what? It's usually a first step. <laughs> So yes. companies like Microsoft and General Electric, who were big on rankings, right, and, mm-hmm. and getting rid of the bottom 10%. I mean, that was Jack Welch's mantra, basically, mm-hmm. when he ran GE. Um, that's being done away with uh, to the delight, I might add, of guys like Edward Demings, who thought that rankings were just ridiculous and, and didn't drive performance. All they did was gel up fear and anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. So when we talk about, when I talk about a list of companies that have ditched performance appraisals, usually they ditched rankings with it, but I think we have to separate those two things because you could read about a company that just ditched rankings, but still has annual performance appraisals. And I just wanted well, to make clarification. Yes. And I, and I had some, I had some cocktail party talk with just friends in, in the neighborhood, uh, well, about just before Christmas, we had a little, little get together of of uh, the 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 kids that play on you know the same basketball team and and our our daughters are cheerleaders or volleyball team that kind of thing, and it was the end of the year, so so a lot of people were, they were talking about the annual performance appraisal and uh, the this this one guy who I will remain nameless because I don't want to give too much away and I, it, people could be hurt in this, but he uh, he <laughs> said to me you know that his his company which is a large organization not I don't think it's a Fortune one thousand but it's pretty big and. He said to me, "Yeah, we we ditched our rankings this year." I said, "Well, good. That's a good first start." <laughs> he said, "But, but we were told almost immediately, like after we're getting rid of rankings, stacked or what they call stacked rankings, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the term is <laughs> no sooner had they said that when somebody said, "Yeah," pull, pulled them aside and said, "But there are still stacked rankings." <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's like what? It's like, well, we're, 
we're we officially say we're getting rid of it, but we're really not getting rid of it. We gotta get we got. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> the shadow economy, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, 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 there's still stack rankings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Ed, on our last show, when we when we talked about this, and folks, we'll link it up. We did it back in August 2014. We actually gave three replacements for Daniel Performance Appraisal, and maybe we can touch on that. But, uh, Ed, as you know, I'm very interested in this topic. I wrote an article in 2013 on LinkedIn, a two-part series, actually, and it, it generated over 382,000 reads and 650 comments. Wow. <laughs> and it's it's still being read, and, and we'll put those links in the show notes too. But here are a list of companies since then that have ditched annual performance appraisals. Accenture, as I mentioned, did it as of September 1st, 2015. Adobe uh, got rid of theirs. Now, that was a while back. I knew about Adobe. The Gap, Deloitte that I want to talk about because it was a cover story in Harvard Business Review, Medtronic, Buffer, mm-hmm. Buffer, upstart, right, technology yep. firm. I, uh, use Proc- them. I use Buffer app. Yep. Do you? Yep. Uh, Procter & Gamble, which, of course, has, hadn't had, hasn't had annual performance appraisals for a long time. And interestingly enough, and I, this is the one I don't know much detail on, is Ernst & Young. Ernst & Young, of course, just <laughs> copycatting Deloitte after they watched them do it. Maybe we can get our buddy Brent on um, to shed some light on what EY is doing instead. But we have a lot of good information on what Deloitte has, is doing instead uh, that we can talk about. But it was really interesting to me, Ed, that the censure made this move. Because this is a big company. They have 330,000 team members around the world. And 95% of their executives were dissatisfied with the performance appraisal. <laughs> oh, God! Even though, even though, Ed, they were spending 200 hours a year on it each. Good gravy. 95%. Now, and I, and I, I like HR people. I really do. But is this, is this... You think this is HR people just just making sure that they have have something to to do on an annual basis to make sure that, to manage the system? No, is that I, what was going on here? Or? No, I believe this was actually outside research by a firm, a management research firm, CEB. I'm not sure what that stands for, but CEB uh, uncovered that 95 percent statistic. They also found, and this is just generically, not for a censure, just generically, 90% of HR managers doubt the accuracy of the info <laughs> that are in performance appraisals. Well, yeah, because it's kabuki theater and people make stuff up. And 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 you've got the subjectivity of, of the evaluator yeah. that always comes into play. And we'll talk more about that. There's some interesting research on that. Uh, the CEB also estimates, and this is amazing, for a company with 10,000 employees, they're going to spend $35 million doing annual performance appraisals. And one of the things the Accenture CEO said, and this was in a great article um, uh, in the Washington Post, and it, it was titled, In Big Move, Accenture Will Get Rid of Annual Performance Reviews and Rankings. Um, the CEO said, we're not doing this to save money. It's not a cost-saving uh move 
it is to improve the ROI. It's to improve the future performance. If we're going to spend this time and money mm-hmm. on, on you know, evaluating or having employee discussions, let's do something that actually improves and energizes future performance. Like go read a book. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, not, I'm I'm being dead serious. I know it's a funny response, but it would be better, right? Just to to give all these people, okay, go put up your feet and read a book. Right. You know, it reminds me of Calvin Coolidge's line that it's more important to prevent a bad law from passing than it is to pass good laws. <laughs> Yeah, probably true. (laughs) Uh, Something that might be appropriate uh, given that this is inauguration day, but uh, we can we can talk about that later, maybe. That's next week, Free Rider Friday. (laughs) Yeah, okay, fair (laughs) enough. Uh, But uh, this 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 caught my attention when the censure made this move. um, That you know that's that's substantial. I mean, these guys are you know this pretty sharp firm, three hundred thirty thousand people around the world. And they were saying that we're just not getting the ROI for our investment. And so it's not a cost-saving thing. It's, it's really about what, what actually improves the future performance of knowledge workers. Well, and, and that's just it. I mean, I, in, in, in trying to, to understand this topic, I, I, how would one understand if it was actually improving performance I guess you would just was it? Would you look at stock price? Would you look at at profitability? Would you look at revenue growth? I mean, what would be the gauge? Because certainly you can't use the performance appraisals themselves. Because if in fact you are doing things with the stacked rankings, well, then by definition you're always going to have a lower ten percentile, right? I mean, it's it, it's sort of like uh, the relative versus absolute poverty. Right. Yes, we're always there. Twenty percent of the poorest people are. Oh, there's going to be twenty percent of the poorest people because that's how percentages work. And I wonder what was the the what was the the, the telltale sign that hey, this is this is not improving performance. How do how do we how do we tell that? Yeah, and I think uh, McKinsey has a little bit on that um, uh, in their article, which we'll get to as well. But uh, one of the things that I learned from studying Accenture's move and Deloitte's move. Um, was that it, they really rely on the team leaders. Now, mm. as you know, you know these are project-driven companies, right? And so there's always a team leader and a, and a group of people working on a project or an account or something. And it's really the team leader who can see the effects of, of performance you know, variations over time, especially if they work with the same person uh, sure. in, you know, day in and day out. So I think they rely on that. But, but given the fact that 95% of the managers who... Are, are the team leaders, really. I mean, if they're dissatisfied, then, <laughs> then something's yeah. rotten in Denmark, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I guess it doesn't make any sense. Wow. All right, well, we're up against our first break, but we want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or myself at AskTSOE at Verisage.com. Also on Twitter, at AskTSOE and hashtag AskTSOE. Please uh, post your questions and comments. We love getting them. We also want to remind you that you can go review our show on iTunes. It looks just for, search for The Soul of Enterprise. And uh, while you're there, please review it, subscribe, and also give ourselves give us a rating, our performance review, uh, if you will, uh, in the moment. But right now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and earlier this week ron i was i was in in battle guess would be one way of putting it on linkedin with a with with a an hr professional uh, on this very topic, uh, the reason is is because her her piece caught my eye because she had done the cardinal sin, at least in my view, of of saying, if you can't measure it, you can't measure it, <laughs> manage it. Being quoted by Peter Drucker, so you know anybody who says that, I have to take them on, right? And so I I was just just going going at and just said, hey, you got to correct this. Well, it was funny because she came back and she said, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he he said, if you can't, if, if you can measure it, you can manage it. I said, no, he didn't say that either. It's <laughs> 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 <Just> like, <laughs> oh, anyway, I, I did find, by the way, that the, 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 the I, and I don't know if you, you've seen this, but the, the closest quote to that, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, is actually Lord Kelvin. Oh, yes. Yeah. In fact, I, I right? think I quote kelvin in my book right uh, and yeah and here here's the bizarre part of course this guy was a you know a, a chemist and physicist right? right right so that's what he's talking about <laughs> right like, right it, something like it, it's inscribed in a building at the university of chicago um something about you know if it's not an exp- if, if if we can't express it in numbers it can't be understood and it was deirdre mcclowski who points out that not only is the inscription wrong on the building <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but but it's a flawed premise because she goes you can't you can't you know put his that quote into into numbers so does that make it meaningless right <laughs> and and this is the point is like what you're trying to do with these annual performance appraisals is is to turn what should be a judgment into a measurement and i think that there are certain times when that's all well and good i think it can be used in certain limited fashions but 
to me, what it does is it gives this illusion of science, illusion of precision. To make it a number somehow makes it more real in somebody's mind. Yep. And and I and I think that that's that's all this is. And rather rather than feel comfortable with our, with making a judgment about somebody, turning it into a number somehow says, well, th- well, it's the number, right? It's yep. the it's the number. I can just trust the number. And I think that's one of the evil things in this is that it does again turn turn people in into numbers, and and that's that's a horrible horrible situation. But anyway, you you've got some stories here, and one of them, including a company that that uh, I use quite often, Buffer, but it's one of my favorite social media add-ins. It allows you to send out you know tweets or things on Facebook, and you can uh, put them into a buffer. Right? If I've come across an article on Deloitte. A, abolishing the performance appraisal and I tweet that out and then I come up with another article almost immediately on another company I might not want to tweet that right away because I just previously tweeted something on that topic so instead I send it to this buffer app thing right right and that's what buffer does so it it cues that stuff up so a little little product plug there for their 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 uh, their stuff but what did, what did they do what did they get what did they do with their their performance system well, this is really interesting. It comes from, I think it's their corporate blog called Buffer Open, and we'll link to this. It's a specific article. It was written in January 19, 2016, so about a year ago, almost to the day. Um, we don't have performance reviews at our startup. Here's what we do instead. And it was written by Courtney Sider. And it's actually quite a long article, and there's quite a few comments on it as well. And if you read through the comments, the comments are very, very favorable. Unlike my LinkedIn post that probably one third, you know, was telling me I was out to lunch. Uh, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater and all this. Uh-huh. But here's what here's what Buffer has done. It, rather than having these annual performance appraisals, they go they they've gone to ongoing weekly feedback, one on one. So this is more of a mentor mentee relationship. It would be like with your team leader, but the team uh-huh. member sets the agenda. Now these are these are weekly and they can last for up to about an hour. That's okay. kind of the rough guideline they've put on it. So it's ongoing. It's constant communication. It's just <laughs> between you and me. This is just good management, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, right. This is like <laughs> hello. You mean yeah. you're having conversations with your employees and learning about what they're doing and their challenges and and all of that. Oh, my God. But then she goes on to talk about their, and this comes from the company's founders, they used to do masterminds. Um, Now, these are optional, but a a lot of people at Buffer apparently engage in them. They're peer-to-peer. So, it's people maybe in other departments that maybe are at your level or whatever or doing similar things, and you just get together and talk about various things that are working, practices, you know, things like that. These can last anywhere from one to two hours. And not everybody participates in the masterminds, but everybody does the one-on-one ongoing weekly feedback. And it was really funny when you, when, uh, especially when the Deloitte thing came out, uh, the, the Schumpeter column in uh, the economist, the guy was really skeptical about this, you know, about getting rid of performance appraisals is all, all these companies are doing is piling on more meetings. Yeah, but that's not true because the meetings are focused on the future. Right. Not the past. And that, that's the big difference. You know, knowledge workers still need to converse, right? The old joke in the factory was, hey, you guys shut up and get back to work. And the, the joke in the knowledge, you know, uh, environment is, hey, you guys get back to work, start talking. Right. Right. You know? 
So I think what you know, conversations are valuable if they're centered on future performance or what could we what could we do to improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What, what you know? What are what are the hurdles that you face this week, next week, that kind of thing? But just to 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 dissect the the previous year. Right. You know, and, and I can even remember and I'm embarrassed by this instructing people. Well, you know, as you come across things, you make a little note, put it in a file. It's like whatever you gonna get dossier, a, you know, KGB file on all, all of your all your team members. You know, oh, remember in February when you screwed up? Yeah. I know. Uh, Why wait a year? To tell somebody <laughs> they really screwed something up or they did something phenomenal. Well, and even if you tell them right away, you can then bring it up 10 months later, <laughs> too. <laughs> it seems like a lot of this is just corporate historian. You know, it was one of my arguments on the LinkedIn post with some of the HR people. I said, you know, if it's, they said, well, it's not designed to improve performance. I said, well, well then what is it designed to do? Just to record <laughs> the, the history of the company? You, know, you could send in a team of biographers and historians and get that done a lot cheaper. Well, seriously, they, they actually said that. They said it was designed a to improve performance. A couple of them. A couple of them. And this is, and, and, and <laughs> these were what was the response? To that, that's like d- dumbfounding. Well, <laughs> it's the performance management system. What is it supposed to do? <laughs> I guess just document performance historically. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, but that's. I guess that is an argument that we get, and of course, our our friend uh, Jay Shepard puts that to rest, and uh, in his book Firing at Will, right? That you know the, the 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 performance appraisal is more likely to be used as a tool by the team member or the you know the employee in the end than it is the company. Yeah. In fact, uh, most people that are sued, uh, you know, uh, that, that engage in lawsuits, you know, sue their prior employer, um, have good performance appraisals. You know, they might have a file of four or five or six really good ones. And then one goes really South. And Jay said, you know, him being on the employer side, working as a lawyer, if I saw that in a file, I knew I had a tough case in front of me. Because he said, you know, performance appraisals can hang you in a court of law. They won't defend you. They can hang you pretty easily. Yeah. He called them the dumbest managerial tool ever. But <laughs> Ed, the, the other big move was in the huh? April, April 2015 issue of the Harvard Business Review. And it was a cover story. It was the article Reinventing Performance Management by Marcus Buckingham, who is the guy who, you know, oh, finds yes. your yeah. strengths and, and all of that. Yep, and yep. Uh, Ashley Goodall, who's a director of leader development at uh, Deloitte. Now, just some statistics on Deloitte. Uh, unlike Accenture, who's three hundred thirty thousand people, Deloitte is sixty five thousand people. Fifty eight percent of their executives felt that the performance appraisal didn't drive engagement or high performance. <laughs> so, same type of thing. And they were spending two million hours a year on doing these things. Oh. So they got rid of cascading objectives, they got rid of annual reviews, and there's no more 360 feedback either. They got rid of that. Um, so now, and they also learned, they did some studies, by the way, as they were going through this transition, and they learned that assessing skills produces very inconsistent data because of the peculiarities of the assessor, right? And sure. 62% of the variance between people was based just on that on the subjective perceptions 
of the person. Only 21% of the variants had anything to do with actual performance. And that was some research that uh, Deloitte undertook. So uh, they they feel in their situation, the team leader is in the best position. So they implemented a, a new system and they have three objectives for it to recognize performance to see okay. performance, which is interesting. They have to recognize it and see it and fuel it. In other words, improve it going forward. Sure. And the team leader, they feel, is in the best position to do that. And they're not assessing the skills of the team member, but their own future actions with respect to that team member. So when if, if I work for you or you work for me, you know, if I work for you on a project – then you're going to, you're going to, at some point when that project is over, you're going to assess me and you're going to ask yourself four questions. I know we're coming up on a break here and maybe we should, uh, we should hold these questions for the break because they're quite interesting um, because they deal not with you assessing my performance or my skill. They deal with what would you do with Baker in the future? Right. Wow. I mean, I'm just jumping back to some of the numbers that you shared. I mean, what was it? Sixty-eight percent of the difference had to do with just subjectivity between the evaluator. Is that right? Yeah, sixty-two percent. Sixty-two percent. That's like you know Frederick Winslow Taylor fudge factor numbers. That's huge. That's a big. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And and only twenty-one percent was performance. Well, you know, and, and quickly, one of the things that I, I've talked about doing is a knowledge matrix. But And the first step in that knowledge matrix is always a self-assessment of the person, right? And then having a conversation with somebody. But it was never – my skills matrix was never an, never intended to be a performance metric. Mm-hmm. It, it's more of a it's more of a knowledge understanding, say, hey, where, where are the holes in our learning as a company? Right, and, and, right. And what is it that we need to, to learn? But – and 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 I admit it's purely subjective, you know. So that's that's uh, that's part of it. I guess just admitting it is part of the problem, right? <laughs> sure. But in your knowledge matrix, you have the employee do their assessment and then have a conversation with their team leader or whoever. And if Correct. there's discrepancies, then they have a conversation and agree on the number. Yeah, Correct. I might and think the, I'm and, an expert in something, and you say no, you're <laughs> you need work on this or whatever. Right. And well and, and what's interesting is more than likely the conversation usually goes the other way. That's at least in my experience with it, is that, that, that they tend to downgrade themselves. Right. Right. And and usually you tell them, No, 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 you got this. You don't you don't need you don't need. so it's, it's it's it is an interesting conversation. And perhaps we should, now that I mentioned that, we'll make sure to, to link to a, an example of the knowledge matrix so that people can perhaps download that and use that use it as a as a tool if they want. And if they've got any questions, they can let me know. But we are against our our second break already, Ron. And the day is flying by as it usually does. I want to let you know you can get a hold of us at asktsoe at verisage.com. Also, please do visit thesoulofenterprise.com. That is where we have all of our show notes from previous shows, as well as previews to upcoming shows will be out there. We do have the archive of all 125. This is show number 126 for us, so it'll be up up here as well, uh, that you can take a look and listen to on that page. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor. The future of online TV is here. 
view exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise welcome back everybody we are doing reappraising the annual performance appraisal and ed we kind of left off on this deloitte article in the harvard business review by marcus buckingham and it is really a good article, and I'll link to it. Uh, luckily, folks, it's not behind a firewall, so you'll be able to access this. And, and it really does have some interesting things. But as we were saying, the team they feel in their situation, the team leader is the best person. So let's set up the scenario that I worked for you on a project, and now you're going to evaluate me. Here are uh-huh. the four questions you have to answer regarding me. Okay, so I'm going to okay. read these from the article. Given what I know of this person's performance, and if it were, <clears throat> sorry, if it were my money, <laughs> I would award this person the highest possible compensation increase and bonuses. Oh, so it's just yes or no or a ranking? It's a ranking on a five-point scale from five strongly agree to strongly disagree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All these, by the way, are, uh, well, no, some of them are yes, no. Um, the second question you have to answer is given what I know of this person's performance, I would always want him or her on my team. Okay. Now that's a big one because everybody knows, especially in a professional firm, you know, it, you know, the stars are, everybody wants a star on their team, right? So that right. You know, is usually the busiest person. The third question is this person is at risk for low performance. And that's a yes or no question. Okay. And the fourth question is this person is ready for promotion today. And those are the four questions. And, you know, notice that, you know, they, they deal with what would you do with this person rather than what you think of this person. Right, right, right. A little bit more action-oriented than, than yep. just, just you know, sniffing around what happened happened in the past. Yeah. 
and and you know again they're trying to to recognize performance and see performance and fuel performance those are their three objectives of the system my one criticism just you know coming at it as an economist or a behavioral economist would say well what about revealed preference right, right. it's one thing for ed to say what he's going to do with me mm-hmm. <laughs> but does he actually do that now you know uh, they don't address this in the article but obviously this data is all collected and collated and all of that, and they can track mm-hmm. trends over time. So they would probably be able to spot anomalies like that. Right. right? Um, but that's what kind of goes into their, uh, in, in, into their roll up of, of the evaluation. Now, of course I have to say that <laughs> they still talk about other performance metrics, hours and sales. Mm-hmm. We'll just, we'll just, We'll just set yep. that aside. Yeah, they're still, yeah, they're yeah, still yeah. measuring the wrong thing there. But uh, um, they also say this this data that rolls up from those four questions will serve as the starting point for the compensation, not the ending point. And kind of going back to what you were saying about the numbers, the, they even write in this article that, look, if you look at the average uh, athlete, right, you, there's there's bucket loads of numbers, <laughs> Right on a baseball yep. oh, player. Oh, sure. Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and even when you go to the doctor, right, you get your blood work back and there's, you know, three pages, five pages of lab reports or whatever. But the, the, what what Deloitte had a problem with was that the problem with the rankings and all of that was it was just condensed into one number. And so what they're trying to do instead is have conversations. Right. They say what really replaces the numbers is the conversation. And again, to me, just, I just think, doesn't this just go back to good leadership or good management? Uh, right. Exactly. And, and, and you know, I mean, say that, but. <laughs> well, no, but I think you're right. I mean, I, 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 I had thought for a long time that, that the, that the performance appraisal system was oftentimes put in place in places that had dysfunctional management or leadership and this just ensured that at least once a year that they were going to have a conversation with somebody. Right. Right. right? At least one a year. Yeah. 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 You know, I, 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 in law firms, I'll say, well, I'm in court all the time. Well, then you're the last person that needs to be managing people. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Great point. Great now, point. Like, like Buffer ad, what, what a Deloitte does is they have quarterly or per project snapshots. Right, so they 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 are, I guess, answering these questions on a, on at least a quarterly, but on a per project, and you know who knows if some projects I'm sure go over a quarter, some probably are much less, uh, but then they also have weekly check-ins with the team leader, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things the guy from the Economist was saying. Oh, this is just burdening people with more meetings. Yeah, but those weekly check-ins are, you know, problems, hurdles, things I need from the company or, or, or you know, how should I be handling this? I mean, it was all driven about future performance. Or, or about the work, which I, I think is important. But, you know, I kind of think you're right, though, in that if, if, if you're passionate about whatever it is you're doing and the people who, who you, you're working with are passionate about what it is that they're doing – you're going to have these conversations. I mean, you're going to you're going to you're going to go out to lunch with the team during a break and 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 still talk about it, right? Still be fired up about it and, and still be obsessing with what what is it that we can do to make this better. Right. So, you know, 
I, I don't know. I'm honestly, I'm the more I think about it, the more I'm skeptical of these so-called replacements because in the end, I I wonder if they won't devolve. Right, in, right. into bureaucracy, back, yeah. In, back into bureaucracy, and 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 any time that you're starting to put the, the again those the numbers in place. You know, scale of scale of mm-hmm. one to five or whatever. It's it's still going to be a reminder. I, I'm very hesitant to make performance management be anything about numbers at all. Yep. You know, be, we talk about and in the show uh, when we did this back in 2014, we talked about three replacements, and one of them, of course, was the after action review, and it just. Right. It, it, it makes me think about how, how does the military deal with this? I mean, they use the after action review, you know, obviously to improve future performance and it's phenomenal and obviously as a way to capture knowledge. But I wonder how the military does their evaluations. Um, something I don't know much about. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I suppose if, if it, one of our, our listeners has any experience with that, we would love to hear it from you. You know, send us a, an email or something with how how they do measure performance. Uh, they they they're, they're I'm guessing there's some way, right? I'm guessing right. there's some way, right? And and I guess it just goes back, Ed, because we're such subjectivists, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not contrasting that with objectivism of Ayn Rand. <laughs> just, no, I know, you know that. We, yeah, we, we know that value is subjective, and people's perceptions are subjective, and. I think with this whole numbers thing, like you said, and I think that's a valid criticism of this Deloitte, uh, anytime you get numbers in there, um, you're just right back to the problem that they identified. 62% is based upon the evaluator. Right. Not not the actual performance of the person. But that all said, I, I, I do commend Deloitte for at least going down this road, getting rid of that 360-degree feedback and getting rid of the annual performance appraisal and starting to focus on on the future. I just I just worry about the revealed preference aspect of this, and I also just, to me, the the gaping hole is where's the after action review, guys? If you did an after action review, that would accomplish so much. Plus, mm-hmm. it would it would allow you to bank your knowledge. Sure. And that, and that and that is becoming more and more critical. I had a conversation with somebody earlier today about exactly that that they were they were struggling with the concept of their, their organization has been around for poof 30 years in the software space and the first generation is starting to give way to the second generation in in uh, in terms of the, the the you know who's who's managing the business and the question was is how how are we going to pass down this knowledge from one to the 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 next you know, and then they, they talked about putting some kind of a, a knowledge management system in place. And I just asked the guy, I said, well, t- have you been recording your after action reviews? Mm. And he said, no. <laughs> I said, well, somebody turn on an iPhone during an after action review and record them, especially around, you know, the project centric one and let people listen to them. Right. And he's like, well, yeah, I guess that'll work. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know. Imagine if you had. Imagine if you had after action reviews for all of the projects that you've completed for the last twenty years, right? It, yep. it, you know, it, it's 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 a lot of projects, I'm sure, but it it's something that a a new team member could probably digest, at least at least the key ones, right? Yep, and I, learn from them. So, 
you, you know, I think I've talked about this on, a, on it might have been the AAR show, but on, on, on another show where uh, I actually attended an after action review in an ICU ward. And when I told that story to a law firm, because they were sitting around admitting heirs, they said, well, that just exposes them to a ton of liability if some, a patient sues them or something. <laughs> I thought, gee, this is why, you know, this is why we pay lawyers, right? To tell us what we shouldn't do. But I looked at them and I said, well, just let me ask you a question. Would you rather have your, your, your son treated in the hospital that does after action reviews or one that doesn't? There you go. And he kind of nodded his head and said, yeah, I see your point. But, it, uh, you know, it's true. I mean, it probably does increase their, their liability, but they're also sued less uh, if, if, if they're in a culture where they can admit mistakes, which the After Action Review does really well. That's another enormous benefit of it. They, the other thing, Ed, that comes up around this topic, and, and this I saw in some of the comments to like the Buffer article and in my article on LinkedIn, is what about compensation? Yeah. And from what I from what I see, and they don't address this specifically, um, but they kind of you know talk around it like Netflix, uh, and even in this Deloitte article, Netflix by the way is another one that doesn't have performance appraisals. Um, they that's a separate conversation. Mm-hmm. The, comp, the comp issue is completely separate, so they remove it, and I think that's a great thing because it's just background noise from a communication theory standpoint, right? I'm oh, going to be yeah. sitting there worried as you're blabbing on about my performance and the you know the five things I need to improve. I'm going to be mm-hmm. worried also about well, Jesus, this mean no raise or no bonus mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'll, I'll have to give myself a little credit and pat on the back about that one. And that's one of the things when I when I did implement a performance appraisal system at the organization that I was a part of, is is we did do that. We it was and and it was as long as possible from the performance appraisal. So I, I forget it, when exactly our performance appraisals were. Um, I th- I think it, let's just say that we did them in December, mm-hmm. right? But but the all of all of the salary conversations and it was just a salary conversation as to what was going to happen happened in june right right i think that makes so much sense to separate those things right and what was nice is what was nice is even for people who were 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 challenged by their performance in this in december is that they could they could they could make some significant improvements by june right so um but I still wouldn't do performance appraisals again. <laughs> yeah, no. In fact, when we come back from this break, Ed, I'm going to talk to you about what McKinsey, who issued a white paper or an article on this as well, and, and give you some of their uh, their gems because uh, they, they came out pretty harsh against them as well. But, folks, in the meantime, I'd like to remind you, you can contact Ed or myself. Give us feedback on the show. Suggest topics at asktsoe at verisage.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees, a 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. 
See what Sage can do for your business. Visit BelieveInYourNumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise welcome back everybody we're doing reappraising the annual performance appraisal and ed in the uh, may 2016 issue of the mckinsey quarterly we have an article called Ahead of the Curve, The Future of Performance Management. It's by four McKinsey consultants kind of spread around the world. And they call this a yearly ritual. <laughs> it's one of okay. the absurdities of corporate life. They're time-consuming, okay. excessively subjective, demotivating, and ultimately unhelpful. <laughs> they do little to improve the performance of employees, and they may even undermine it. <laughs> <laughs> so they they start out by saying, but yeah, if we jettison these things, well, then what? Will performance drop and how will people be paid and all of that? So they talk about GE and Microsoft and also a little bit about Netflix and Google as well. Uh, and they're really talking about how they kind of rank, uh, got rid of the uh, stack and rank, right? Mm-hmm. That whole thing that you were mentioning uh, from your neighbor. Um some companies are severing the link between evaluation and compensation, so they're they're seeing more of that, um, which I think is a, a you know real positive move, obviously. Um, and then uh, this is this really caught my eye. They say we regularly encounter KPIs that account for less than five percent of an overall performance rating. So I think about huh. you know, a balanced scorecard, right, that might literally have 30-something KPIs that you're accountable to or, or at least being measured on, and that only wraps up into 5% of your performance rating. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. <laughs> so they, you know, they basically conclude that these things are, are useless and they need to go. Uh, they talk a lot about compensation. We'll, we'll link to this, uh, this paper Um but but here's one thing, Ed, and we've always talked about this, you know, the Pareto effect, right? The the big effect that the the minority has on the majority. But this just this just confirms it. And I've read similar things in other places. One 2012 study they conducted concluded that the top five percent of workers in most companies outperform average ones by four hundred percent. Wait, say that again? The top 5% of workers in most companies outperform uh-huh. average workers by 400%. Wow. You know, Bill Gates at one point, you can get this quote, uh, maybe I'll look for it. He, he literally said, and he put it in one of his books. He said, there's five programmers here at Microsoft that 
without those guys, we're, we're we don't have a company. Mm, okay. And Go- yep. Google has said the same thing, by the way. Right. Right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so obviously, and I think those people can probably be pretty easily identified, and people know who they are. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> right. Wow. So it went on to talk about getting rid of the ratings and the rankings and and all of that. Um, But they also focused a little bit on, uh, okay, what what can we do to actually improve future performance? A lot of things are being done now, as you can imagine, with apps, right? Mm -hmm. On mobile phones, this this seems to me the bright, shiny new object. (laughs) What, you know, I think it remains to be seen whether or not uh, this actually improves future performance. I, I don't think it's as tried and true and tested as the, uh, as the after action review. Um, but one thing they did point out was that, uh, they cited research by Daniel Kahneman, the, the author of thinking slow and fast, you know, the psychologist who won the mm-hmm. Nobel yep. prize in economics. And, and he says that, you know, employees are going to worry so much about the pay, the compensation aspect. And, and he brings in the loss aversion, right. That the fear of loss just, outweighs any gains and that's a good reason not to do it and then they talk about daniel pink um and you know his his book i forget the name of his book uh but he talks about what knowledge workers need and it's autonomy mastery and purpose right Mm -hmm. and probably if you had those things then a lot of this performance appraisal and checking and reevaluating would probably take care of itself Yep. <laughs> I don't think the Wright brothers were spending their time evaluating one another. Yeah, <laughs> Wilbur, you're only a 3.5 <laughs> and works well with others. Uh, uh, so, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and, and what, what, I, what I think, Ron, though, is, is we, we, we constantly apply this stuff to knowledge workers. But I really think this is it's it's way more universal than that. I do too. I do too. I I think you're right. Yep. You know, I think I think we we give ourselves a little bit of an excuse to try to think that we're different somehow. Mm. But uh, you know, no, as, as you have you said on other places, ain't nobody here but us people. Yep. Man, we're just people. Yep. Well, one another thing they do talk about is you know uh, companies have to be better at improving their coaching skills, and that includes Ed, by the way. The language they use. Mm-hmm. So they talked about changing the language of feedback, and they, you know, GE is doing this, and a couple other companies. And I thought that was really interesting, because as we talked about many times, you want to change the culture, change the language, change the conversation. Yeah. So, but how do you just, measure it, Ron? How do you measure that? How do you measure it? And I, and I think that's the big. <laughs> I think that's the big holdup. I, I have to say, Ed, when I was in Australia last year with John Chisholm, our our Verisage colleague, we met with an upstart company who's working on some HR uh, platforms. Um, and one of the things they're doing, influenced by, I'm happy to say, the work of Verisage, is they've got AARs built in. <clears throat> to their <clears throat> software platform so you can capture nice. the knowledge and, and, and get it into a knowledge bank. And, and uh, so I think that's starting to come out. I think people are starting to learn about AARs. I've talked to a few firms, and I know this is anecdotal, but that are starting to implement uh, after action reviews, uh, be it law firms or accounting firms and even advertising agencies. And I think that's a really good thing. In fact, I think that that's the only thing you did 
you'd be way ahead of the game. I, I totally agree. It's it's the it's the antidote for for many things. It's you know as we've talked about, it's also one of the replacements for the timesheet, right? So uh, the, the the AAR is just absolutely crucial. And uh, look, I, I I'll mention again in in this podcast. I think you got to record them and maybe even send them out to be transcribed, so that yeah. people can can read them. Because I, I, I think if you can distill the knowledge of, you know, a particular engagement's fine, or even uh, of the work that you've done on anything, whether it's multiple projects or engagements or matters or whatever you want to call them, just have an after-action review on the last month, right? Yep, and yep. Whatever, whatever we did last month, let's have an AAR on it and then begin to assess the situation and, and say, hey, what's the, what's the one thing we're going to do different next time and just drive it forward? Right, right. Like where we know a lot of accountants are getting ready to go into their tax season. And I get asked all the time, you mean doing an AAR after every little old lady's tax return? No, do it, do it, you know, halfway through the tax season or a quarter way through the tax season and talk about the entire, the entire system. So anyway, Ed, we'll post all these articles and everything we talked about up on the show notes, but what's on store for next week? Good news, Rod. Free Rider Friday. Awesome. I bet we're talking about our new president in there. It's so I look very forward possible. To it. I'll see you in 167 <laughs> hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.